If you have a high performer on your team who's just really excelling in their job, or you're leading someone who wanted and applied for your job but didn't get it, those can be tricky situations to manage. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I want to talk to you about how to manage a high-performer on your team because it requires a little bit of special attention, I think. Uh, And I, in fact can very much relate to this situation. I remember when I was first promoted into a leadership role and I became the manager of my former peers, I had a number of people on the team were all awesome. They were all doing a great job, but there was one particular person who was outstanding. This person joined the company and was up and running in no time. This person did a really good job executing the deliverables. It was really easy to work with. And when I became this person's manager, I knew that there wasn't that much that I could teach this person. And I also knew that this person probably wanted my job and maybe even felt that they were deserving the job more so than I did. At least that's what I made up in my mind, right? Because in that moment, I started to not only be unsure how I could be a good manager to that person, but also I started doubting myself and I thought, why am I in these shoes? Why did I get promoted? Maybe my boss didn't see what I'm seeing. Maybe they didn't see that this other person was such a strong performer. And the self-doubt wasn't helping me, right? It wasn't helping me with my confidence. It didn't help our relationship. And it didn't help me lead her with confidence and in an effective way where we could have had a really fruitful relationship because this perceived tension was never really addressed. And I wished I had done things differently. Now today as a coach, where I help a lot of new managers be proactive and address some of those pitfalls early on so that they're setting themselves up for success. Managing a high performer and the challenges that can come, the challenges and insecurities that can come along with that is something that happens quite often. So if you find yourself in those shoes, if you are managing someone who's really strong, or if you're managing someone who was applying for your job but didn't get it and you know about it, then stick around. I'm going to share five specific things to pay attention to when managing a high performer. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about two specific things to avoid. So let's dive in. How do you manage a high performer? First and foremost, it's really important that you actually talk about it. Address the elephant in the room. You can say something like, hey, you're doing a great job. We know you're an expert and you're highly qualified. You're this, so you're well-regarded and well-respected in this field. 
thing that I want to talk about the elephant in the room is the fact that you're reporting to me now, for example, and you do have more years of experience or you have deeper knowledge on this one thing or we were former peers, whatever that may be. And then say, I'm so committed to support you and to advocate on your behalf. I want to have a fruitful relationship. If you are a former peer, then you have to say that the relationship will change or is changing now that you're a manager, but that's your commitment. Your commitment is to support them, to have their back, to pave their path, to help them be successful. But do address the elephant in the room, because even though it may seem like an obvious thing, it just gives you a huge lift in trust because you're being transparent, you're being upfront, you're not shying away from addressing the uncomfortable or the awkward fact. It's a good step forward to setting a strong foundation in that relationship and to become partners. So that's the first one, address the elephant in the room. The second suggestion that I have for you is to discuss a career plan. And that means to identify where they want to go, what's the next immediate next step for them, but also maybe what are some of the future goals that they have or ambitions that they want to pursue if they know what those are. Talk about it, then talk about what they need to learn in order to get there. Talk about the exposure that they want to have inside of your team, but also across the organization so that you can better cater to their needs and what really motivates them. It helps them feel more committed to you and to you as a manager and the company as a whole. If you have a clear career plan defined. And by the way, this does mean to write it down and Pay attention that you're not the one owning their career plan, but you're facilitating the conversation so they can develop their career plan, right? It's always going to be theirs and they have to own it. They have to commit to the goals. They have to identify the gaps and so forth. So you could facilitate it. You can share your input, but let them own it. That's going to increase their commitment to actually executing their career plan. And so as you're having the conversations around career plans, engage in conversations that help you figure out what truly motivates them. What is getting them excited? Like, why do they come to work? The salary for high performers is one thing. Sure, they want to be fairly compensated. In fact, they want to be compensated in alignment with their performance, which is above average, right? But then that's usually it. For most high performers, the motivation is something else. A big ambition that they have, it's intrinsic motivation. It goes beyond just the financial components. So ask questions on what that is. What is it that gets them up in the morning? What is it that excites them about the company, about their role, about the team, and so forth? And so once you address the elephant in the room and you talked about their career plan and their motivations, the next step is to continuously challenge them, to stretch them outside of their comfort zone. And for many new managers, this means that they have to let go some of the stuff that they would like to do, right? You might say, well, this is the coolest thing about my job. I don't want to let that go and, and delegate it. But now that you're a manager, this may be the time for you to elevate and be engaged in more strategic work and to delegate this one thing that you've been holding on so dearly, but pass that on to your high performer so that they are elevating alongside with you. You're elevating, your team has to elevate as well. 
So delegate stuff, even if that hurts for a moment. Um, stretch them outside their comfort zone. Keep them challenged. Give them stretch opportunities so that they continuously feel that they're growing and that they're learning more while they're on your team. It also means to not hold back any critical feedback or any constructive feedback. In fact, most high performers really soak that up like a sponge because they want to do better. And so if they have a manager that can actually help them become more effective or do better work and increase their work product or the way that they navigate relationships or resolve conflict, if you can be that kind of coach who challenges their thinking and provides constructive feedback, you will gain their respect and they will see the value of reporting to you. Now, for a lot of new managers, this does mean like getting up to speed really quick in those coaching techniques, in the in embracing the discomfort of giving tough feedback as well, which is why getting the support and the training that you need early on is super important for anyone, but particularly if you have high performers on your team or what we will call and label as difficult personalities on your team or even underperformers to ensure that you manage those well. Because mismanaging them can be costly, can lead to a lot of frustration, can lead to conflict, can lead to turnover, bad reputations, and the list goes on. So this was tip number three. Tip number four is to make sure that you recognize them often. Now, about 75% of people like being recognized and praised in public, and about 25% of people prefer to be praised and recognized in private. You may already know, because you see someone's face, if you recognize them in public, you don't have to ask. But if you're unsure, it's totally okay for you to ask your team members if they are fine being recognized in public or if they prefer for this to happen in private. Totally okay for you to ask. You do not have a crystal ball and no one expects you to have one. But either way, do recognize and appreciate them often, ideally in their preferred way and format. This will help them feel that their contribution is seen and appreciated. There is a great book um, that I will link to in the show note. It's based on Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. The book is called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workforce. I can quickly recap the five languages of appreciation to you, but I do suggest that you go deeper in this and check out the book or a PDF summary that you find online. The first one is words of affirmation. The second one is acts of services. The third one is receiving gifts. The fourth one is quality time. So giving someone really this undivided attention. And the fifth one is physical touch, which in the workplace is very important. It means like a pat on the back. And of course, in a remote world, this is also different. Again, to go deeper into this and really understand what those five languages of appreciation mean, I recommend checking out the book. I will link to it in the show notes. So this was number four. Number five is to actually have a stay interview. And this is particularly important if you feel that they might be interviewing with other companies or they might be looking elsewhere or they're starting to feel some starting to express some frustrations have a conversation with them again along the lines of addressing the elephant in the room even if it's uncomfortable right but you can ask a question such as you're doing really well and I know that at any point in time you could be looking elsewhere but we really appreciate your talent I do and I would love for you to stay on the team How can we make sure that you stay for the next year? What do you need from us? What do you need from the team? What do you need from me? 
So you're going, you're getting ahead of it by having a proactive conversation so that you can address it before they come to you saying that they have an offer on the table and they're trying to negotiate something within a few days or before they resign. And you never had the chance to actually make things work for them so that they would stay. So those are the stay interviews is what they're called. And I highly recommend using them at high performers and particularly if you worry that they're looking elsewhere. Get ahead of the game, my friends. Now, as I promised, I also want to talk about two things to avoid. The first one to avoid is to only look at the out at the performance, the outcome of their work, but not paying attention to how they're actually doing mentally and physically, their overall well-being. People who have an imposter syndrome or a real strong drive for perfectionism, for example, they work hours and hours nonstop in order to always excel. They always want to do more and they want to deliver the best that they can. The problem with this is while this may make them high performers at work, it can have these negative consequences on their personal health because they're burning themselves out, they're neglecting their health or they're not taking care of family. And those negative side effects when we're only looking and addressing the work product. So if you have a high performer on the team and you recognize some like perfectionism coming coming through or you recognize the imposter syndrome might be a play, this is something to bring up and to coach your employee more holistically if they're open to it. Now I'm saying specifically if they're open to it. They might not, but they might be. And it's okay for you to say like, hey, how are you doing? How are you really doing? And emphasizing this word, really. Like, I care not just about you at work, but I care about you as a person. And if you notice that they're sort of overextending themselves because they want to be that high performer, it's okay to also let them know that 80% would be good enough and to help them find the balance where they can deliver sustainable performance. The second one to avoid is to play favoritism. So when you have a high performer on the team, maybe someone that you really like, someone who's shining, it's really easy to pay too much attention to them and not enough attention to everyone else on the team. That's one. So make sure that you're also looking at everyone else and supporting everyone else on the team. Favoritism goes beyond that. Favoritism would, would mean that you're using sort of personal friendships or just because you like someone, you give them more credit or more opportunities or, or better deals. Now, in terms of someone being a high performer, they usually deserve the extra uh, benefits that they get. But pay attention to it so that you're still being fair because it's really easy that you cross that line and then other people will feel like you're not getting the same opportunities, the same treatment, the same level of visibility or credit where credit is due. So just keeping your eyes wide open of how you're responding and treating everyone on the team. So those are my two things to pay attention to and avoid. Um, in addition to the five tips that I shared about how to manage your high performers. If you found this episode helpful, share it along and leave us a review on the platform that you're listening to this podcast. It would mean the world to us. I appreciate so much. It helps us spread the message. Thanks so much and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. 
you'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.